So my name is Robbie Denson. I'm the executive pastor here at the Gathering Church. And you know, I was sitting backstage and I was thinking about our worship team this morning. You know, every single person up here is on our dream team. Every single one of them is a volunteer who has decided they want to use their gift to serve the local church. And I was back there talking with Ben, our sound guy, and I just said, man, this team is awesome. They are awesome. Our, our worship pastor is not even here this morning, but yet we can provide an excellent worship experience. And I am just really honored to be a part, a part of this church. And, and I want you to be a part of this church as much as God calls you to be a part of this church. And so let me just extend a special welcome. If today is your first Sunday with us, we just want you to know that our goal in everything that we do is so that when you drive onto our campus, when you walk into the facility, sit down, is that you feel like we were expecting you. We want you to feel like you can belong here. And so we are just really honored that you would show up this morning. When you came in this morning, you got from our Dream Team member out there a program. And in that program is a Connect card. We would love it if today's your first Sunday with us, if you would fill out a Connect card with as much information as you feel comfortable with. And then later on in service, when we take up our offering, the only thing that we want from you in that moment is that Connect card. And if you do that and you just let us know it's your first Sunday, we're just going to send you one letter letting you know what your next step could be if you want to take it. We're really big into next steps, and we want the ball to always be in your court to take the next step. And so we're just going to send you a letter. Stop by our Dream Team Center, uh, our Information Center right outside. Talk to David. He's over there at the Information Center. He's going to give you a free gift just for coming this morning. We just want to honor you in that way. Also, before I, I get started, uh, Growth Track Step 1 is next Sunday. If you want to understand a little bit more about the Gathering Church and in Growth Track, we try to help you to understand a little bit more about yourself and how you were, you were created to serve the local church and you want to be a part of our dream team, let me encourage you next week during this service, you can check your kids in, you can come to 9 o'clock and come back for 11 o'clock for, for Growth Track, make it work however you want, but I would encourage you to join us next Sunday for growth track step one. So we're in the middle of a series this morning called What's on Tap? Just last week here in Asheville, we celebrated beer week. And so we take part in that by looking at the process of making beer and seeing what we can learn from it. We do this series annually. It's a fun series. Uh, really, it's one of our favorite series, not only because we live in Beer City, USA. We know that. But because this series aligns with the reason we exist as a church. We have four purposes at the gathering and everything we do is about those. We want you to know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. And we are fixated on those four things. The idea that you were created for a purpose and with that purpose we are called to make a difference in the world. And this series, each year as we kick off our summer, is all about mobilizing you to do just that, to discover your purpose. And so if you missed last week, I would encourage you to, to go back on the website and check it out. Our lead pastor, John Mark Redwine, was here, and he talked about this idea that you have been given potential, that you, somewhere within you, there is potential, that God created you with gifts. He's created you with talents and with passion. And with that, he wants to use those things to use you for a greater purpose. 
You know, I, I, I lead people through growth track quite a bit. And so often, I'm leading someone through growth track who may be younger or in the middle stages of their life or in the latter stages of their life. And they're listening to this idea that, that your design reveals your destiny. That God created you almost like an artist creates a piece of art to serve a purpose, to invoke an emotion. That God created you specifically the way you are so that you could serve him and make a difference in others. And I hear people say, you know, I've never heard that before. I just thought I was a nurse. Or I just thought I was a school teacher. Or I just, I just thought I was a banker and my job was to provide for my family. Well, yes, those things are too, true. But God created you to serve others with a purpose. But too often, we miss it. We let life get in the way. We're too busy. We let negative, negativity get in the way. We believe lies about ourselves and our potential that cause us to stagnate and ultimately we leave our potential untapped. We settle, or worse, we just live our lives unsatisfied and empty, allowing the dreams that God has instilled in us to just lie dormant. Our potential is the single most unused commodity in this life. And so we've been talking about this idea and comparing it to the beer-making process and and so what the brewer has to do is it has to look at these four key ingredients, barley, hops, yeast, and water. And the brewer looks at these four ingredients and they see something that I don't see. The brewer looks at those ingredients and they see their potential. They know that these four ingredients can be so much more than just one thing and that the process that they take these ingredients through will determine the outcome. The process determines the outcome. Last week, we talked about the milling process. The idea that in order for the brew to begin, the grains first have to be milled. They have to be crushed. And the same is true for us. In order for you and I to, to reach our potential, we have to go through a crushing season. We have to be milled. And the language we use here at the gathering, and it's used all over different churches, but we call that finding freedom. In order to discover our purpose, we have to allow God to strip away the things that hold us back, the things that keep us in bondage. And we believe the way that we go through that process of finding freedom is in life group. I would encourage you today, go to our website, sign up for a life group. God has given us him for salvation, but he utilizes and mobilizes people for healing. There are people at this church who want to help you in the milling process. And so just like the grains have to be milled in order to be used most effectively, the same is true for you and I. We've been looking at the life of Joseph, a young boy. He's 17 when we meet him in Scripture. He's the second youngest of his 12 brothers. He's been given a dream from God that one day he will lead people. In fact, God tells Joseph that there will come a day when people will bow down before him. And as a 16-year-old, I would have loved to have heard that at 16. I agree, God. They should be bowing down to me. Joseph was a, a young boy with great potential and unfortunately his father let his other 11 siblings know that that Joseph is his favorite this is a parenting pro tip if you have a favorite kid don't market it <laughs> you know you could you could just tell them all that you're all my favorite or neither of none of you are my favorite make them work for it that wasn't very funny I thought it would be a little bit funnier than that <laughs> I don't do that as a parent <laughs> So his 11 brothers understand that God has a dream for Joseph that he may not have for us. And, and, and dad likes Joseph more than any of us. And out of, a, out of envy and jealousy, 
they decide to kill Joseph and they throw him into a well and they're going to leave him there to die. And then grace comes upon them and say, no, we won't let him die. We'll give him a chance. We're going to sell him into slavery. And so just like that, Joseph, his father's favorite, clearly a young boy with so much going for him, has dreams snuffed out in an instant. And so I want to pick up in the story in Genesis chapter 39, starting in verse 1. It says, now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. Today I want to talk about developing our potential. Last week I hope that you learned that you have potential, that God has placed that in you. Even if you don't feel worthy or you're confused by that, that you have potential, but potential has to be developed in order to be capitalized on. So that's what we're going to talk about this morning. And so once you've milled the barley, it's time to start developing the beer. Uh, One thing I'm not going to do this morning is act like I know how to make beer, but I do know how to read. And so let me read to you how beer is made. We had some people who work at Sierra Nevada here last service, and I was just like super nervous that they were going to judge me so hard. And so they, they left me alone after service. The next step in the process is the mash. The mash is, is really cool, the core, the, the, really the core of the beer-making process. Once the grain has been milled, it is added to a large vessel called the mash tun and mixed with hot water to form the mash. That's when the magic starts to happen. The heat from the water activates the enzymes within the barley. These enzymes then begin to convert the starches in the grains into sugars. The amount of time you do this for and the amount of heat used will greatly determine the type of beer you are creating. The process determines the outcome. Every subtle thing done in this phase has great ramifications in the finished product. Once you have the mash, you go through a process called laudering. Laudering that leads to the creation of a sweet wort, which is essentially unfermented beer. The laudering is when we take the mash, which has a texture almost like oatmeal, and we strain it. And we let those husks that we milled act as a filter to remove all the solids from the brew. In the laudering process, listen to this. In the laudering process, we filter through and pull away all the pieces that remain from before in order to leave us only with what we need for the finished product, leaving us the wort. The wort then goes through a boiling process, which is when we add the hops and we continue to make adjustments specific to the outcome because the outcome is determined by the process. This process is so important and every nuance matters. Every little piece is crucial to the process and determines whether or not the brewer is able to make something special or make something that didn't turn out quite right. I wonder how many of us are in the lottering process, that God is is stepping into our lives and, and what we think is pain and what is pain is God saying, I want to pull some things out of you. That I've got a, a place for you. I've got a, a plan for you. And I'm, and I'm laudering you. I'm, I'm pulling some things away. How many of us are there? What is happening in your life right now that is developing you for what's to come? Developing you for the dreams that God has for your life. I am a believer that God has big plans for you. You know, I don't know why, but I've always felt that God had a calling for something more on my life. And while you and I may have different gifts and different talents, I am convinced that we all were created for something 
more. You were created for a purpose greater than anything you can see. And the purpose you were created for will glorify God and it will serve others. But it has to be developed. And that's where so many of us get caught up in the developmental season. Why is it that we tend to overlook and underrate the developmental seasons of our lives. What does that look like? Sometimes we stutter through developmental seasons or sometimes when life gets hard and there's opportunity to grow through praying, rather than going through the season, we avoid the developmental season. Why do we downplay that season of our lives? I think there are a few reasons. Number one is this. I think that we want our dreams today. We want our dreams today. I want what I want when I want it. Our culture is one that feels entitled to instant gratification. I live with that. We want instant gratification. We live in a microwave culture, not a crockpot culture, don't we? Because it's easier and faster. We'd rather have a hot pocket that cooks in two minutes than a roast that has to simmer all day long, right? My 13-year-old's like, yeah, absolutely. Actually, I would like two hot pockets, by the way. (laughs) He doesn't know they're nasty crap. That a roast is how you go, but that takes time. We know that we have this thing inside of us. And rather than allowing God to develop it, we want it right now where we are, regardless if we are ready or not. And so the idea of having to to wait and develop makes us crazy. I, I get it. Every part of our culture is working to put our wants and desires at our fingertips. But the things of God... Do not work that way. Because the things of God, like anything that's really good, things that make a difference for the long haul, sustainable difference making requires time. In order to to make a difference in the long haul, we've got to invest for the long haul. Those things require a process. I was thinking about it this week, and, and, and Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. came to my mind. I wonder what it would have been like if he quit pursuing justice and equality because things got hard. He had to embrace the process. He had to endure the process. And get this, he had to sacrifice in the process. He had been given a dream. He had been given a vision. And he embraced a painful process. Do you know what sacrifice is? Sacrifice is when you're willing to give up something that you love for something that you love more. And maybe for some of us, we're in the process and there's something that we love that we're not willing to give up for something that God has for us. And sometimes that thing is sin. Sometimes that thing is whatever we keep hidden in the closet that I'm not, I'm not ready to give that up yet for what God has for me. Or maybe it's just a negative behavior. Maybe it's habits. Maybe it's friendships that we know negatively impact us. Maybe it's people who pull us down and we're not willing to give up what we know for what God has for us. And we have to be willing to sacrifice. If you want the promise of God for your life, you can't resist the process. The second reason we downplay the process is we want our dreams to happen our way. We want our dreams to happen our way. You know, you and I, we have dreams and Sometimes those dreams are from God and sometimes those dreams are from us. And the friction begins to occur when we want to hold on to both of those dreams as tightly as we can. Or maybe for you, 
You know the dream that God has for you, and you've had that moment where God instilled in you what your future could look like. He's put a a passion for for addicts or a passion for orphans or a a passion for missions or a passion for making an impact in your workplace. And, And what we do is we say, okay, God, thanks for that. I got it from here. God, I'll determine the process. Thanks for the dream. Joseph knew that God had called him to be a leader. That was the dream God had given him. But the path he's on now, I don't think that's what he expected. He's still on the path towards his dream, but this is not the road he would have chosen. Some of you are on the path towards the dream God has given you, but you don't like the route. Can I suggest that God is using the path to develop the person? The third reason we like to downplay the development process is we want it easy. I want, I'd like it a lot easy, er. This is another result of our convenience culture. You know, we look at moms we see on Instagram or even the ones that we may have relationship with and we wonder, how do they make it look so easy? How is it that they can do yoga with a three-year-old hanging from their leg? How, how, or we look at people who are in our season of life or maybe our age and they have things that we want and we think this isn't fair. And the danger of looking at someone else's success is that it doesn't always paint a clear picture of the work. It doesn't always paint a clear picture of the sacrifice, of the grind and the grit it took in their process. You know, some of my story, I I have a deep belief that God created me for the role that I serve in here at the Gathering Church. I I don't have aspirations to be a lead pastor. I just don't want to do it. I think I was uniquely created to serve as a second man. And, and honestly, I think there's a lot of lead pastors who have the calling of a second man, but the pride to drive them into the first man. I just believe this is who I was called to be. And I believe that since my early 20s. God laid that out for me. It's, it's probably a cool message, but it, it's, it's, I can't get into it today. But I just, God painted a picture for me that there's going to come a day when my job is to hold up the hands of others. And that's, that's just how I want to live. I, I just want to be the second man to support the vision that God has for this city here in Asheville. And I've, I've been in ministry for 13 years, and, and the person I am today is wildly different than the person I was when I was 18. You know, I've known, I've known for so long, since I was 21, that, that I was called to be a second man. But it wasn't until, but I wasn't ready until I was 27. You see, it took six years for my position to align with my vision. And some of us, we know the position we want, but we don't want to put in the work and the time to develop ourselves into it. I remember coming on staff at a a church in Charleston, North Carolina, Northwood Church. I love that church to this day. I I was full of passion and drive. And in my mind, when they pulled me into staff, I was full of answers. I thought that's maybe why they called me to be on staff. They needed, they needed some solving. I was 22. They needed my wisdom. I had the solutions to their problems. I was young and, and naive, and quite honestly, I was a little arrogant. And I remember at our yearly planning meeting, uh, my boss came in and said, this was my direct port, Rodney Richard. He is still one of my mentors. I talked to him weekly. And he led the ministry that I was a part of, the young adult ministry. And this is a large church. And I had been serving underneath him. And, and he was getting ready to move to an executive role. And he said, hey, Robbie, I got news for you. In three months, you're taking this ship. And I was just like, oh, my gosh. I had been dreaming for this 
for years, four. <laughs> I, this ministry meant so much to me. I met my wife at this young adult ministry, and little known fact, she walked in with another man. <laughs> but I got her. Yeah, some of you were like, some of you were like, what is he? Oh, I see what's happening. She tells a story differently, but I'm a pastor. I'm not lying. This ministry had meant so, it meant so much to me. And to hear that they were going to allow me to lead it, I was just overwhelmed. I called Chelsea. We were married at the time, maybe married a year, year and a half. And I was in tears. And I said, Chelsea, it's happening. You know, I had dreamed for this position. I was geared up and ready to take this ministry to its next phase of growth. I had put a meeting together with our, our leadership team, and, and we started to dream about the future. And I met, I scheduled a meeting with my boss boss, Fred Richard. You don't know him, but he's a 70-year-old man of God who's made more of a difference. And I hope I can live up to what he's been able to do for the kingdom. And I scheduled a meeting with him, and here's 23-year-old me and 70-year-old Fred. And I just start to give him vision for 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 our young adult ministry. And I talk about the difference that we need a rebirth. And in order to have a rebirth, we've got to rename. People have to start seeing this ministry differently. And I just, I was just spitting hot fire. I'm just gonna put it that way. I was just, I mean, I was just preaching to him. And I sat there for five minutes and I could tell he was not jiving on what I was saying. He was not buying what I was selling. So I sold it harder. And when I finished the pitch, he looked at me, and I'll, I'll never forget his response. He leaned back in his chair, and he said, Robbie, how about you just go do your job? <laughs> really? He said, he, and this is it. He said, if you think a name change is how you make a difference in people's lives, then you have a lot to learn about pastoring. <sighs> it hurt. I remember getting up from... The difficult thing is I had to like waddle out of there because I was a, just a total idiot. And my office was literally next door to his. <laughs> and so he could hear me in there just complaining. But that moment in my life has marked me. I left that meeting feeling humiliated, but I had to reassess some things. And it was that day that I decided that God has a calling on my life, but I'm not ready for it yet. I know it's there, but I had to admit to myself I'm not ready for it. Yet, I spent the next six years humbling myself, submitting to my leadership, keeping my mouth shut, and obedient to the process that God had me in. You see, when Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers, I don't think he could see how God could use this part of his story to develop his potential, to develop him into a great leader. On that day, I don't think he could see the pieces coming together. He didn't understand he was being mashed and formed and laudered into something different, something new. I think when he was sitting down in that well and he was being sold into slavery, I think he was just afraid in those moments. I think he was just felt alone and confused in that season of his life. Let's look at his story. Go back to verses 1 and 2. It says, Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, Potiphar, an Egyptian who, had, who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken them there. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. I want to remember where Joseph is in his life. It's hard sometimes to, to, to live in 2019 and to think back centuries ago. But God had revealed to Joseph that one day people would bow down before him. But here he finds himself beaten thrown into a well, sold into slavery, serving another master, and yet God is with him. You know, you probably haven't experienced those exact circumstances. I hope you haven't. But the way that Joseph felt in that well 
I bet you have felt like that. You know, have you ever felt like your dreams were slipping between your fingers? Have you ever felt like I always wanted to be a mom, but now I'm here and now I'm asking new questions of myself? I'm trying to rediscover my identity. Who am I? Where am I? Where am I going? Has your marriage ever felt like it was slipping through the cracks and you're at the, the bottom of that well and you're just afraid and you're alone? Has your future ever been negatively impacted because of the actions of someone else and it's left you feeling damaged and broken and unrepairable? Let's continue. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. Our tendency when we experience an unexpected and unwanted season of life is to complain to God. And Joseph didn't do that. Listen, look at what Joseph did. He kept his head up and his heart available to God. Some of us are in a laudering season and you are in pain. And you know what I love about the gathering church? You're allowed to be in pain here. You're allowed to be hurting. What we ask of you is that you would keep your head up and your heart available. Joseph did that and God made him prosper. He decided that whatever his circumstances were, he would give his best. And because of that, God blessed him and made him successful as a result. You see, Joseph allowed God to determine his success. You know, it wasn't God's plan for Joseph to be a slave. It's God's plan for him to be a leader. But Joseph allowed God to use his circumstances to continue to develop his purpose. You need to know that God, it was not God's plan for pain for you. But out of that pain, he can develop and cultivate your purpose. Let's continue. From the time he put him in charge of his household and of all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potter had, both in the house and in the field. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. That's a boss life. That's the way to live. But here's the thing. Here's the thing that we have to understand. I am where I am because this is where I am currently equipped to be. Do I think God has more for me? Yes, but currently I'm equipped to be here. And until I embrace the process from here to there, I can't get there. God has more for you. I spent six years learning how to follow before I ever stepped into what I believe the purpose God had for my life. If you feel like you are in a developing season, if you're being mashed and lauded, here are a few things to help you to get to the next step. The first is this, before we learn to lead, we must learn to serve. Before we learn to lead, we must learn to serve. Leadership, as defined by John Maxwell, is nothing more than influence. And no matter who you are or what season of life you are in, you have influence. You are making an impact on someone. You have been created to lead, to have influence. And you may disagree with me. You may not feel like you are qualified to lead. Or have the gift of leadership. And, and, to, and to that, I just need to disagree with you. And so when you begin to embrace the process that we're talking about and pursue your God-given dream, you'll also begin to see that you are developing leadership in areas. Maybe that's at home. Maybe it's time for you to step into the role of a leader at home, of your children and your marriage. Or maybe it's developing into a leader at work. But before we can get there, 
into that position of leadership and greater influence, before we can lead someone to be more like Jesus, we have to become more like Jesus. And we do that by serving. Listen to what the gospel says in Matthew chapter 20, starting in verse 25. It says, Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their high officials excuse, exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The mark of a true leader is someone who is willing to serve those who are in their sphere of influence. Jesus served those he did life with. Jesus had a position of influence in their life. The people who followed Jesus most closely could feel his love for them. It was tangible. And Joseph modeled this example as well. In the last few verses that we just read, we see that Potiphar's kingdom is thriving. Potiphar's only got to think about what he's going to eat and drink. And it's not because of Potiphar's leadership, but because of how well Joseph was able to serve him. Let me ask you something. Are you willing to serve? Joseph did the work and Potiphar got the credit. I learned a long time ago in my job, and, and really, if, if you're a leader in any position, that my job is when things go well, give the credit away, and when things go wrong, accept the blame. Accept, are you willing to give away credit? Are you willing to follow? Are you willing to serve so well for the benefit of someone else? Are you willing to serve your place of work so that your place of work can benefit? Are you willing to serve your family so well so that your wife or your spouse begins to thrive? Are you willing to serve for the benefit of someone else? I've never met a tremendous person of God who did not spend a significant portion of their early years making someone else look better. And I try to pride myself on making others look as good as they can. And when we do this, it allows us to examine our why because there's seasons, man, where I'm, where I'm feeling overworked, underappreciated, and I have to ask myself, Robbie, why am I doing this? Is it for credit? Am I doing this to be known? Or am I doing this because this is the, the calling that God has on my life? When we begin to serve others, it allows us to examine our why and our motives, and it develops within us a leader. The second thing that you need to know if you are in a developing season is this. It takes time. It takes time. It took 11 years for Joseph to see the fruit of the process that God had him in. And 11 years seems like a long time. You know, not every leader around Joseph had to wait 11 years to rise up in leadership. And here's, here's something that we need to understand. Not everyone around Joseph who was a person of influence was beaten by their family. Not every person around Joseph that was making a difference in, the king, in, in, in Egypt was sold into slavery and left for dead and, and broken that way. It's easy to believe that if our potential is from God, then surely it has to come quickly. And when we look at the success of those around us, we feel that much further from the dreams that we have. When we look at the trauma or the heartache or the heartbreak that we've had to go through and we begin to compare our lives to the lives of those around us, we feel that much further from the dreams that God has for us. Remember, it takes hours to cook a roast and only minutes to cook that Hot Pocket. If you find yourself feeling defeated when you look at the success of those around you, 
Let me just give you a word. Maybe you just need to write this down somewhere. I cannot run my race at someone else's pace. I cannot run my race at someone else's pace. It takes time. And that's difficult to do when we look to our right and our left and on our social media platforms and we see people who have what we want. They have the position and they have the authority and the job and the house and the family and the friends and the community around them. And comparison is a trap that will distract you from the process. Proverbs 16.9 says, A man makes his plans, but the Lord directs his path. If your process is harder than someone else's, if it takes longer, can I just encourage you to don't envy their process? You aren't supposed to end up as them. You're supposed to end up as you. And this is your process, and it's perfect for your potential. God can use all things for the glory of those who love him. The third thing I want you to know in a season of development is this. Earn it. I love that idea. And I hate it. (laughs) Earn it. Earn it. Joseph believed he was called to lead. And so even as a slave, he led other slaves. Every task he was given, he did exceptionally well because God had called him out to lead, to be set apart. Joseph knew his calling, so he lived accordingly. You know, the brewer has to prepare for what will happen in the fermentation, even in the mashing. They have to keep the end in mind. There's a parenting uh, tip that Chelsea and I live by, and it's begin as you mean to go. If my goal is to, is to not have credit card debt, I don't need a credit card today. Begin, start today. You can't deal with the past unless you acknowledge it today. And today you can determine the steps you take for your future. Begin as you mean, mean to go. If you believe your potential is to do something great, what are you doing today to prepare for it? Ask yourself this. What in my current season is preparing me for where I am going? What opportunity is God laying out for you that you need to start taking, start accepting, or maybe just start acknowledging? You know, in order to get you from where you are to where you want to be, you have to embrace the process. Leadership and potential has to be cultivated and developed. It has to be earned. You know, I talk about my, my earlier years in ministry. Well, a few Years into ministry at Northwood Church, I started to learn that my passion and excitement were not a substitute for experience and humility. And some of us need to understand, your passion, your zeal for the future is not a substitute for experience and drive and humility. My desire to be a pastor was not soil enough on which God could develop me into one. I had to embrace the process I had to humble myself. I had to stop believing that I had all the answers. You know, I used to be the guy that was very emotionally attached to all of his opinions. And can I just say, if, if you are emotionally attached to all of your opinions, you're probably difficult to be around. <laughs> I just, that's just my experience. People stopped asking me questions. <laughs> you know, I, I used to be that way. And in that season, the pastors on staff who were my seniors, they knew I had potential but they also knew that I was in a process and they were going to let me go through it. And they knew that how I handled the process would determine if I ever got a seat at the table. 
And I wanted to be at the table. I wanted to make decisions with the other pastors. But I thought that because I wanted it, I deserved it. You hear me? I thought that because I wanted it, I deserved it. And it wasn't until I was willing to earn it that I got it. I learned that I don't always have to have an opinion. Did you know that? That you don't always have to have an opinion. And here's why. Because you don't have the information. I used to be the guy that when something came up, I would say, oh, I got it. I can fix this. I don't need your information. I have, I've got, I'm a solution guy. I was so annoying. God took me through a milling and a mashing process in order for me to step into the calling that he had for my life. I started to listen more than I spoke. I pulled other pastors close who were living the kind of life I wanted for myself. Husbands, I pulled husbands around me who I wanted to look like. I pulled dads around me who I wanted to be a dad like. I started reading about leadership. I started, listen to this, I started serving the staff I worked with rather than trying to gain position from them. I started to hear my pastor's heart and say, I want to align with your vision for this city. And I started to, to, to live for his vision rather than my own vision because I wasn't ready yet. And it took years and it pushed me harder than I had ever been pushed. I remember leaving work sometimes, calling Chelsea and say, these people, I, they just don't get it. They don't understand. It took years of humility of God smacking me in the face. And I had put the work in. And I remember one day I scheduled a meeting with our lead pastor, Fred Richard. And it's 23-year-old Robbie. And I don't know if you noticed, but I've got kind of a weak beard. But if I were to shave this, I would look 20. And when I was 22, I definitely looked 17. I couldn't even grow facial hair. I had like this weird chin music going. And so I'm sitting across from our, the man I respect more than most in this world. And we begin, we begin to talk about it. A dream God had given me, and he had given me permission to go and serve a local middle school. And momentum began to grow around that idea, and he began to jump on board. He said, I'm giving you full permission to go all in. And so I knew I had the backing of my authority and my leadership, so I went all in, and I had scheduled a meeting with Pastor Fred to talk about a Christmas event. And I knew he was excited about it just like me. And I knew that I was serving, serving his dream for this city. And I began to tell him and to speak with passion. And he began to ask questions. And he began to poke holes into the thing I thought he'd given me permission to do. And things got heated. And here I was, 22-year-old me, just yelling and raising my voice and getting red and heated. And, and if you, you don't know Pastor Fred, but he's one to not lose a challenge. And so he's yelling at me and we're yelling at each other. And then I realized what was happening. And I thought, I need this job. You know, I really need the monies. I got two kids at home. And I said, hey, I'm sorry. I need a minute. So I went back to my office and, and I regrouped and then... About an hour later, he came in, and we had a brief conversation that changed the trajectory of my life. Pastor Fred said, Robbie, you've got a lot of passion, and I like it. I know things that they got heated in there, and I want you to know I'm okay with that. I need people around me to challenge me, to push me. Thank you. And listen, thank you for fighting for the vision you know I have for this church and not the vision you have for this church. A few weeks later, he came into my office and said, the elders decided we need somebody on our elder team to annoy us. We need somebody on our elder team who we know is for us and is willing to push us and is willing to fight for what we believe God wants to do in this city. Hey, Robbie, you're 24. We want to make you, we want to make you an elder. Okay. 
Here I am serving on an elder board of a church of, of 2,000 people. And I'm not, this, the numbers don't matter, but what I'm trying to tell you, there's a process that God has you in. They put me on the school board for our school. A few weeks after our Christmas party, Pastor Fred walked over and asked if I wanted to preach on Sunday. I fell out of my chair. Boom. For six years, I embraced the, I nailed that, by the way. Only thing you can do in a moment like that. For six years, I embraced the process. And because of that, I was able to serve and lead in ways far larger than I had even imagined. I'm telling you, God's dreams for you are bigger than your dreams for you if you will embrace the process. If you're here this morning and you're in the process and you're in the thick of it, I want to encourage you to stay the course. And don't just stay the course, but embrace the course. One of the things that I, I have the privilege, and I believe it is a privilege to do here at the gathering, is lead life groups. My wife and I, we love it. And we lead our freedom groups, and she leads the women's, and I lead the men's. And I've gone through three semesters and roughly 70 men through the freedom group. And when men come to our freedom group, many of them are ready to explode. There is something that has them in bondage. They are in sin or they are in a, a belief about themselves that their parents have spoken over them and they don't feel like they can be the dad that, that God called them to be or they don't think they can be the husband. That they're, we're, just, we're in a place of just vulnerability and two semesters ago, an individual walked through our freedom group and the first night he said, you know, I, I actually don't, I don't know how I feel about all of this. I feel God, but I am confused by God. I'm agitated by God. I look at the Bible and I don't understand it. And he committed to 12 weeks of the process of our freedom group. And he began to open up. He began to develop relationship with other men. And he began to serve this church, oddly enough. He didn't know how he could serve the local church until Robert Knight tapped into his gifting and said, hey, I got an idea for you. And he was up here the weekend that we moved into the church building things. And he's probably never said hey to most of you, but he's building things and he's making it easier for us to set up. And he's like, man, I don't know what it is, but I just feel like I'm making a difference. I'm still struggling with this whole God thing, but God's doing something. He's embracing the process and a week ago maybe it was two I get a text from him and it's a video of his brother and it's the baptism video that his church put together for his brother and his brother sharing his story and of coming to faith and the realization of God and he has he gets baptized and then he sent hey Robbie I wanted to send you this I hope to be here someday I'm just like, this is, this is, this is, this is why I exist. To, to help people in a process and allow them to go through it. I love it, man. He's just pursuing God's dream for him and he's going to stop at nothing. And he's going to, he's going to embrace where he's at in this process. At the beginning of the year, I started to realize we needed to develop more leaders at this church and I needed more people. I was doing too much. That I need, you guys think that we do too much. Our, our, our dream team is what makes all of this happen. And we needed some more dream teamers. And I, I had identified someone, Chelsea Halmerson, who was serving on our greeting team. And I just felt like God had more for her. And it's kind of it's scary when you begin to tell people that God has more for them. You don't know how they're going to receive that. So I sent her an email and I said, hey, Chelsea, I just want you to know, I think, I think that you're, you were created to lead at a higher capacity. And I think that, 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 that God wants to take you on the next step of your journey. And I said, I want you to lead our greeting team, but I want you to care for them. I want you to provide soul care for them. I want you to lead them, not just schedule them. 
And she sent me an email the next day and she said, Robbie, you will not believe this, but God's been doing a work in me. And he's been challenging me to get out of my shell. He's been challenging me that maybe I was created for something more. And this, just yesterday, Robbie, God gave me a word for the year and it is grow. And I am deathly afraid to grow, Robbie. But I'm gonna say yes to this. You see, some of us know where God wants to take us and we want the full journey, but sometimes God just wants to give us the next step. And we have to accept that step. That's what Chelsea did that day. She said, I'm gonna take this step. Robbie, and we'll see how it goes. I'm afraid. I don't know if I'm equipped to lead. And I said, we'll help you with that. God has equipped you to lead. You can learn to lead. And you can learn to, to, to care for people. I'm just, I just want to encourage you and compel you to embrace the process that God has a plan for you. But you've got to earn it. You've got you've to add the discipline to your life and embrace the idea that you have the potential. Let's pray. God, thank you so much that you pick us up out of the well. God, that even in circumstances that you don't create, maybe the world around us creates them. Maybe we, we put ourselves in the well. Our decision-making, the lies that we believe about ourselves. God, I, I thank you for, for picking us up out of the well and doing the work and pursuing us and allowing us to pursue you and come close to you so that we can walk with you in this journey. God, I pray that today, those of us who are on a path that we're uncomfortable, that we would embrace the route and allow you to push us and to guide us and to lead us. In the name of Jesus, amen.